Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to Truest Blood, the official True Blood podcast. I'm Kristen Bauer. And I'm Deborah Ann Wool. And you've been invited in. Welcome back to Truest Blood, where we sink our fangs into the series episode by episode. This week's episode is aptly titled Frenzy, written yep. by showrunner and creator Alan Ball and directed by True Blood veteran Dan Minahan. Oh my gosh, what a crew, <laughs> Alan and Dan. After sharing our highlights for episode 211, <laughs> we'll reveal all the complexities and joys of working with teacup humans, otherwise known as children. Then we invite you to join us as we reminisce with the extraordinary Rutina Wesley. We've raved about her work since the beginning, and Rutina is still kicking this industry's ass. Oh, well, she got her start. It's a breakout star in How She Move before committing to seven years on True Blood as Tara Thornton, which garnered her an NAACP Image Award nomination. To then do another beautiful seven seasons leading Queen Sugar, for which she has won three Black Reel Awards and earned five more NAACP nominations. <laughs> so incredible. Rutina effortlessly balances work ethic with spontaneous creativity. And we see her in full force this week on True Blood. We pick up with Bill encountering Queen Sophie Ann, dabbing blood off her lips fresh from the woman on the chaise. Still, Bill gets right to the point. He needs help dispatching a maynad. She informs him blithely that Maynads cannot be killed. It seems Marianne believed she was immortal, and therefore she was. Never underestimate the power of blind faith. It can manifest in ways that bend the laws of physics or break them entirely. Speaking of physics, Sophie-Anne seems in a perpetual state of rest. If Bill wants to know more, he'll have to wait her out. Meanwhile, back in Bantam, Tara's mind may have returned, but her heart is still with eggs. While she works on her mother to let her go, Suki and Lafayette commiserate on the down and upsides of ingesting Eric Northman's blood. Somebody need to slap that bitch. I have. Look at you. Have you had any dreams about him? Speaking of... The upsides, Tara manages to break free and go after her true love with Lafayette and Suki in hot pursuit. But Marianne proves too strong for her and once again brings Tara under her spell. Jason and Andy, men of action and fragile egos, head to the police station to arm themselves, taking on the role of town protectors and unlikely allies. Because this town might be full of crazy rednecks and dumbasses. But they're still Americans, Andy. Speaking of Americans, having saved his mother from his new girlfriend, Hoyt tries to get his mama to see reason. But instead, she brings out some family skeletons that make him reconsider his choice. Back at Merlot's, Sam happens upon Arlene's kids hiding in the woods and takes them under his wing. He then heads to Fantasia to ask Eric to help with their main ad problem. Eric agrees, and it seems great minds think alike as he too visits the Queen as Bill leaves with a plan and the Queen's disturbing farewell. Enjoy your restricted diet. I do look forward to meeting her. Speaking of Bill's restricted diet, Suki explores the horror show that is now Grand's house, finding a large egg and a nest 
and staring into the eyes of a zombified Lafayette. So, Deb, it's always hard mm-hmm. to pick a highlight. It is. Right? And um, but when I always feel like I'm leaving someone out, you know, I like know. Oh, everyone's a highlight, but we got to pick. I know. Almost every scene I go, oh, I got it. Oh, I know. No, next scene. But so I just I just got to go with Queen Sophie Ann. Mm, I mean, long live the queen. <laughs> right. Long live the queen. I mean, what the F is going on with this lady? Evan Rachel Wood <laughs> is so staggering, always. Oh. And it, it's a, I mean, it's a great introduction for her Right? Character. Yeah. The dress, the shoes, mm-hmm. the walk, the room, the mm-hmm. dialogue, the delivery, the, the... I even like, you know, they gave her all this great frivolous business, because obviously we yeah. have the Yahtzee coming up, yes. but the compact, yes. the music, the magazines, you know, it's yes. all in this sort of you know, languorous <laughs> place of rest and relaxation. Yeah. In the commentary, wasn't it Alan Ball who said mm-hmm. that this was the first time we saw a vampire putting on makeup? Yes, I think he did say that. Because they were looking for business for her. Mm-hmm. And they were like, should she be looking through records? What should she be doing? And then Evan, that's right, she asked for the compact. Asked for a compact. Yeah. Which is great. You know, I think, you know, clearly there's some some vanity involved in right. this character. I think they described her as a, a Norma Desmond type, which you'll know from Sunset Boulevard. It's the famous, I am big. It's the pictures that got small. <laughs> so Good. Which fits this character to a T. It fits this character and all her dialogue because she actually mm-hmm. has informational dialogue. Oh, this is hard, hard. dialogue hard. to make actionable, right? It is to break it up and to have a viewpoint on each little segment, mm-hmm. to fill it with business and character mm-hmm. and inflection. It's very hard to do that. Mm-hmm. You have a lot to remember, and she's doing business while she says it. So her first line, I just, I mean, I love all of it, but let's play her first line. What gives you the right to say no to the femoral blood of a good woman? You know what your problem is, William? You are a snob. I hate snobs. Tiny, tiny souls, or penises, or both. <laughs> that is such an Alan Ball line. It's such an Alan Ball line and delivered with such deft. It's like uh, Michelle Forbes does this. She yeah. every line is like six lines <laughs> where the specificity and colors and layers that Michelle puts in every I almost highlighted later when she walks in the room when Tara has come back. Yeah. And is with eggs. I mean, it's just ridiculous. These actresses are yeah. so, so ridiculously so good. good. It's the talent yeah. meeting the opportunity yeah. with these lines. Because even that scene you're talking about with Michelle, mm. you know, she has that line about and that, you know, that night out in the woods with that unfortunate pharmacist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> something about that phrase, unfortunate pharmacist. Again, like Alan. Alan. So, but, you know, it could be great writing and the actor doesn't rise to the challenge or it could be poor writing and the actor, you know, is lifting it, Mm -hmm. elevating it in some way. But, you Mm -hmm. know, it's these moments when the two come together, Mm -hmm. like all of this material with the queen Mm -hmm. where it really just sings. And then on the day, right, like the other thing HBO Mm -hmm. afforded was, well, literally afforded because you had so (laughs) much time. Yes. Right. Which is money. Right. It's budget. And. You had the time and the space and you had Dan Manahan directing. We always had these great Mm -hmm. directors that would relish and look for more, you know, where you could get every drop was valued. So let's then jump from that Mm. to what Suzuki and our art department did with this (gasps) fucking insane location. Insane. So this is a mansion on the ocean in Malibu. Mm -hmm. So there's the indoor pool that you see on the show. Mm -hmm. But just outside the doors there, there's an outdoor pool (laughs) just a little down the hill. (laughs) And then, of course, there's the Pacific Ocean beyond that. So you got to like water. And pretty much absolutely everything is made of shells. So 
the chandeliers you'll see, the mosaics, the statues. Apparently, the crew was so terrified of breaking anything in that space that they were, I guess, literally walking on eggshells. And Alan Ball and and Dan Minahan remarked that they were more nervous about that than meeting Evan, who was a bonafide movie star. They were like, why is the crew so different today and acting so weird and cautious? They thought it was Evan. And the crew was like, no, there's shells everywhere. (laughs) We're going to break something. We could break this set. So again, but talking about this like story meeting, the creative meeting, all these aspects, you know, all of this is here to support who Sophianne is, Mm. what her kind of backstory is and how she features into this. So we Mm -hmm. have this idea that this is a day room. Yeah. She's obsessed with sunlight. We hear birds, you know, (laughs) there's an artificial soundtrack for her beach room. There's dioramas that make it look like daylight. And all of this are just little hints towards what she's up to. Uh Uh-huh. And let's play my other fabulous. They're all the lines are fabulous. Less than two hours till dawn. Shall we have sex? Kidding. I haven't enjoyed sex with men since the Eisenhower administration. (laughs) Only on a vampire show. Only. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's just great. And I think, you know, getting her her age in there is like a badge of honor. Her boldness. Yeah. You know, I think I wrote she's more Marie Antoinette than Elizabeth the first. Yes. Know? Yes. Yeah. She says that um, line where it's someone is it something about bad. And she goes, first of all, there is no bad. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. But she's you know, she's she has that. No, there's that long pause, you know, before she says kidding, because she has mm. this power, which mm. is scary. Right. Vampires have this crazy hierarchy where they can kind of just make each other do stuff. Right. Based right. on authority and age, which we don't even have in human world. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, right. You know, you can't just go you're like, I'm older. I'm telling you to do this thing. Totally. Or, you know, I'm your queen. We made it up. And now I you know, right. can tell you. So they have these really strict, interesting hierarchies. Yeah. And so she's scary to him, I think. Yeah. And clearly we see that he owes her something. Yeah. She assumes she'll meet Suki. Yeah. We meet Hadley, played by Lindsay Hahn, yeah. who is Suki's cousin. Yeah. It's interesting. She's there. So, you know, this is this is a real pivotal scene in the story. It uh, is. The ongoing story of Suki Stackhouse. Yeah, there is a lot in this scene as you keep watching the show that we will see. So my highlight, which will come as no surprise to anyone, is the Fortenberry family drama. Uh, It's ridiculously (laughs) good. The Tennessee Williams play that happens in the middle of this episode uh, is so fun. Obviously, in no small part to Jim and Dale, who are just, I mean, spectacular. Spectacular. I mean, I'm going to... I know. I'm going to kind of lean into Dale because she's doing like the heavy lifting of this episode, I think. I mean, she is mean mm-hmm. she's prejudiced mm-hmm. but somehow i still feel such sympathy for her mm-hmm. maybe some of that's in jim's court mm-hmm. you know he still he loves her despite all of this venom that she's spewing but mm-hmm. i see this single mother i see this woman who's kind of hasn't been loved right the way a person should be loved ever you know she's funny but she doesn't pull her punches. You know, some people playing mean characters feel like they have to temper it so you won't hate them. But right. boy, does Dale just lean in. She does. I'm trying to think of why I was rooting for her because it is pretty mm. intense and awful. I I wonder if I was imagining it's why we enjoy Pam so much because yeah. it's that moment of release where you say all the pent up shit of your whole yeah. life. Yeah. You know, and you just go. Fuck it. You know what? Your dad wasn't he didn't die in an accident. And yeah. and you know what? I've been stuck here taking care because, you know, what does Jim say? Something like I, you know, I have to take care of you. She's like, oh, please, you didn't let me have any fun. Right. Well, so this is one of my favorite lines kind of of this show. Yeah. I've already let too much bad happen to you. <gasps> you haven't let enough bad happen to me. Oh, I mean, Alan Ball meets Tennessee Williams right there. Right there. And you feel a longing in her, I think. A longing to have had a more spectacular life. Yeah. But her life hasn't been. She didn't have a great love affair. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we start to reveal 
so much about her relationship with Hoyt's father mm-hmm. and the pain that his father must have been in his whole life. Mm-hmm. So here's another sort of favorite clip of mine. Dale, again, I think leans into that mean, hurt side mm-hmm. of Maxine. Daddy was a hero. Daddy was a secret drinker. And you want to know what I really think? A closet homosexual. That man just liked to dance more than a normal man should. I mean, it's, again, it's funny and it's awful and sad. I mean, to get so many layers. Right. And you can only get that if you don't pull back, right? Right. Dale has to be full on the throttle. For that line to work on all those levels. I mean, Dan Minahan and and our director in the commentary said something like he was never ceased to be amazed at how these actors ground the performances. And we use these words so much. I don't want them to lose meaning. It's so crucial. It really is. You know, it was interesting listening to them talk. And again, I think why so many people on the show are from theater mm. um, or from sitcoms mm-hmm. or, you know, things that require big leaps of faith. Right, right. Is that this feels in many ways more like ancient Greek theater, right? right? Where the gods will come down and smite you, right? right. Like that's what this season is about. We're yes. trying to summon a god, right? you know, and it needs that kind of level of belief. Yeah. You know, as as uh, Queen Sophianne would say. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, never underestimate the power of blind faith. Yes, because it's not like they're reaching and going fantastical or big or surface. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. deep. Yes, it's like, exactly. You know, where she the way she says that line of you haven't let enough bad happen to me. It's like she doesn't just say, oh, you haven't let enough bad happen to me. No, she just she grounds it. Right. Yeah. It's like a sponge, like just squeezing every last drop out of that sponge. It's delicious. And it is in that moment. I go, wait, let her have some. Let her go. Let her go. Let her go. And and similarly right now, because Hoyt is now the product of two very unhappy people. And, you know, really just searching for his own little bit of happiness and light. Mm-hmm. You know, he starts this episode by choosing his mother over his new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, as he's kind of learning about his family history, if that's starting to feel like maybe he yeah. made the wrong In hindsight, that choice. might not have been... Yeah, because he was... I mean, I did bite her, which is, you know... Well, yeah. A faux pas. Sure. <laughs> by the way, good primal scream. Thank you. Yeah, very good painful primal um, scream. So the last sort of episode highlight that we want to share with you is, of course, Haunted Grand's mm. House. We have a couple of just incredible shout outs to get through here. First, of course, is Patricia Bethune as Jane Boathouse cutting off her own finger. Oh, my gosh. So good. I mean, just like Dale, you know, it's the commitment. Yeah. We have John Billingsley as Mike Spencer on the floor yep. cuddling with Sookie. Yep. Committed. Um, do you want to tell the... The story behind the frying pan. Yeah. So Alan said in the commentary that (laughs) he was a a guest star, I guess, on Six Feet Under. Mm -hmm. And his wife had killed him because he was so boring but would never shut up, which is a bad combination. So he would talk endlessly with these stupid stories. And she finally killed him with a frying pan. So that was a nod to that fabulous, another fabulous performance. (laughs) And then the the gentleman in Sookie's bedroom trying on her sundresses uh-huh. uh, is actually Lenny, yeah. one of our stand-in crew. Lenny. I was like, oh my gosh, Lenny. <laughs> it's so good to see him. What does he say? Because then Anna, th- they have a funny exchange there. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's something like, you think it's too much yeah, or and something she goes, like that. Yeah. yeah, it's a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> she just closes the door. And leaves that was a funny interview. Well, he's wearing her dress. Yeah. And then they did mention in the commentary, Rutina was also mm-hmm. doing the commentary with Alan and Dan. And she said it was so fun destroying stuff, just oh, making a mess. I love scenes like that. They just give you things to throw. Yes. Oh, it's so great. fun because you never get to do that. I was going to say as an adult, but your whole life. I mean, starting at age really? two, yeah. it's like, what did you break? You oh. know, <laughs> so they just broke that room up. It looks great. And now for a quick bite 
True Blood 101 Supernatural Wrap Up. Twenty-three episodes in, and here's what we've learned so far. Vampires have no heartbeat and need not breathe, but they do have reflections, orgasms, and haircuts. They can't tolerate sunlight, but garlic is okay. Crosses and holy water do nothing, but silver hurts like the dickens. Their blood can heal and get people high. Oh, and Eric can fly. Shapeshifters run a little hot, which is good because they spend a significant amount of time in the nude. They require an animal to imprint on in order to shift unless they are totally stressed out, and they could possibly lay and then eat their own eggs, but that's merely speculative. Maenads are mortal beings that desire a god who never comes and can vibrate people into submission, but really, they just want a party. Oh, and they believed themselves into existence. Now that's a nifty party trick. Where creatures are confirmed real, though we know little about them, but we'll venture a guess that they're probably hunky. Meanwhile, Suki hears people's thoughts, can shoot light from her hands, and tastes really good. But no classification. As of yet. You make me so happy I never had any of you. No, oh, come on, Pam. They're funny. They're like humans, but miniature. Teacup humans. So, for our deep dive topic today, I thought we might chat a little bit about working with teacup humans with child actors because yeah. it also happens to coincide with the return of Pam. <laughs> she's back. She's looking fabulous. She's got some great lines and some Swedish. Oh my goodness. Some Swedish. So really interesting in this scene, you get to work with two child actors, yeah. uh, which is a unique experience. There's so many rules and regulations that monitor and protect how children work in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember anything about working with Alec and Laurel, who played Kobe and Lisa? You know, I wish that I did. And I wonder, you know, they were just so wonderful. They were so, yeah, they were so great. Professional. But, you know, there is the rule you work for two hours at a time yeah. and they have a break. And so there will be kids are going to school mm -hmm. and then, you know, you'll work around that, do other things, do other coverage and then they're back. And the main memory I have from that day is that freaking Swedish, <laughs> which is and probably like I just said, freaking. But I'm always, you know, trying to not. Fucking, oops, yes. sorry, you know, do that all when day. When the kids are on set, you're trying to be extra careful, make sure that it is a safe space for them. Yeah. So I imagine that must have been hard on a show where we're all very used to being yeah. uh, mature. Yes, and I haven't been mature since I was four. That's when I first <laughs> said that word. No one knows where I learned it. Oh, that's funny. You know, it's very hard for me to be around <laughs> the little teacup humans and speak Swedish but yeah, tell us more about this, Deb. Well, yeah. So we have um, Alec Gray and Laurel Weber. They uh, played Kobe and Lisa Fowler. Interestingly enough, True Blood, at least per the internet, is both of their last acting jobs. So, so interesting. They did all seven seasons. They stuck with us through the end. So they must have enjoyed the job to some extent, but uh, did not continue acting. So um, interesting. But yeah, so that's, I think that's really interesting with that. Alec has been in a couple other things before True Blood, uh, How I Met Your Mother, My Name is Earl, and he got his start in the office for two episodes. But I really did take a deep dive into child actor labor laws. The the scully in me had free reign, and I uh, <laughs> looked through the California Department of Industrial Relations, oh which has goodness. a very detailed pamphlet, uh, which I put in quotes <laughs> because it's 66 pages long. Oh, my goodness. Know if you can still call it a pamphlet. I don't think point. that's a pamphlet anymore. <laughs> Maybe it started out as a pamphlet. Maybe. But it details all of the child labor laws in California. Wow. So to be a child actor, there are multiple permits required. There are permits required of the parents and guardians. There's permit required of the employers. Wow. Insurance and workers' compensation has to be guaranteed. And there's also, I found this fascinating, a clause in the contract that a child actor may back out of that contract at any time with no consequence. Wow. And this is less about protection and more about because someone under 18 isn't legally competent to sign a contract. So it sort of 
illegal for them to sign it anyways. Um, Just fascinating But the protections that came in kind of all started with Jackie Coogan. So he's a famous child star uh, from Charlie Chaplin's The Kid. Okay. So he made $4 million as a child actor, which we're talking... The teens, the you know, nineteen teens. I mean, what is that today? I like have no 40 idea. But or, rid- let's add a zero or two. It's a ridiculous amount of money, right? Holy shit! I mean, shoot. But <laughs> we are talking about child actors. We're safe space for kids on <laughs> yeah, the set. Yeah. But by the time he reached legal maturity, he was bankrupt oh. because essentially all the adults in his life spent his money away. Oh my gosh. So in 1939, uh, the Jackie Coogan Law was enacted, which requires producers to place 15% of a child actor's gross receipts into a trust, which is accessible only by that person once they reach legal maturity. So it's a good thing that that exists now. Wow. Yeah. It is tragic, isn't it? Most laws, a lot of laws, come from some tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. It had to have gone wrong before someone thought to... uh, to protect. Right. But we have, I mean, there's so many protections. We have hours are very restricted, as you were mentioning. A lot of that time has to be split between work and schooling, as well as just rest and recreation. Like there has to be time off for doing nothing while they're there, which is pretty great. But it does mean that as a producer, you have to be very diligent about your hours and when you bring kids in. So, you know, we have three scenes with these child actors this episode. We have in the woods outside of Merlots, mm-hmm. that's going to be at Warner Brothers. Yep. We have inside Fantasia, so that's going to be down in Long Beach. Yep. And we have outside of Fantasia in the car, which they shot on the lot. Mm-hmm. They just put in a different background. And part of why they did that, I'm sure, is because you only get those kids for a very limited amount of time. Right. And their work time includes their hair and makeup and their travel. So you're really, it gets... What you can film with them gets gets eaten up very quickly. Yeah. And I would not be surprised to hear if you and Alex did your coverage to tennis balls or yeah. <laughs> not real human beings by the end of the day. We must have. I mean, we, we've never done a rehearsal in two hours, you know. So here in the notes, it's what is it on schooling? They can only miss five mm-hmm. days or something. And if they are in traditional school, mm-hmm. um, they can only take five absences of five days or less. So that's 25 days total throughout the school year. And then they have to have teachers on set with those kids yeah. that are continuing to do education while they're on set. And then a parent or a guardian must be present during filming. Wow. Such an interesting life for a kid, right? Yeah, it was so, you know how, you know, everyone always complains that like newborn babies, they always have the birthing scene and the baby comes out and yes. it's like ginormous and <laughs> and covered not in clearly not a newborn baby yeah. well that's because newborn babies are extraordinarily fragile right and should not be on sets you right know? sometimes reality takes a back seat to the safety of of people so the rule surrounding infants is that infants must be at least one month old mm-hmm. possibly 15 days that's the youngest you can get but that baby had to have been carried to term, be a normal birth weight, and you need a note from a licensed physician mm-hmm. in order to do that. And there are even crazy things like the lights can only be a certain brightness. Like it literally mm-hmm. said like the brightness of 100 candles or something like that. Oh, it my gosh. So interesting. And only for 30 seconds at a time. So, you know, whenever you see babies and we're going to see some babies on the show, whenever you see babies on screen, just know they work for 20 minutes under very special lights yeah. <laughs> with a physician's note, uh, you know, and that's that's an amazing thing to even have that opportunity. It is a bizarre thing. So I've worked with infants a couple of times. Mm. It's challenging. They have to goop the baby up and then the baby is screaming and crying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and they don't know they're acting. And they don't know they're acting and they're being passed yeah. around. And then in 2019, I did the series for Rayelle Tucker, Sacred Lies with mm-hmm. Ryan Quanton, and I had young kids. So I think they were between one and two, if I remember right. And again, this baby had to be happy. And the second the mother handed me the baby, the baby was crying. And so I, yeah. and then they had the handlers in between and they would yeah. tell the mom to leave. So the baby would get used to me. And I was so desperate to make this baby not scared. I mean, it was just so, it was traumatic on everybody. It's hard. 
It really is. And and I think, you know, working with kids is so much of it for them. Now, you know, we were just talking about first instinct versus time. Right. For kids, it is that first instinct. Yeah. It's that play. Yeah. And you only have time again for that first instinct. Yeah. And you have to make that space a place where they feel free. Mm-hmm to really play and really cry and really be there. Right. Um, you know, which is why I, I think, you know, crews, you know, good producers when they're, when they have um, children on set, tell everyone, you know, everyone is on their best behavior. Yeah. Things are kept more quiet. Definitely. They're a little bit slower paced and safety really becomes the top priority safety mm-hmm. for that. Obviously that child's physical being, but also their emotional and mental being. Yeah. Um, you everyone, want it to be a good experience. Yes. Everyone on a deep primordial level is trying to make it a good experience for that, that poor kid. And, you know, in this case, Alec and Laurel, a little older, of course, and Mm -hmm. they're such good actors. Yes. And that's an interesting thing too, right? Because when kids are great actors, it just is so natural to them. And other children, it's just not in them. They're very self-conscious, right? Yeah. But these kids were so good in these scenes. Some of it for me, I you know, I've never been a fan of like the precocious kid actor, like right. the, the little kid actor That's who talks tough. like a grown up. I mean, you know, yeah, they, that is weird. There are times and places for those stories. But for me, the child actors who are alive and present enough to just be kids. Yeah. And I got to say, I mean, Laurel and Alec just nail that. They, they seem nail it. so their age and yeah. so present yeah she doesn't jump or overplay it she when just hangs away from him uh-huh just a little bit nervous mm-hmm. it's just lovely yeah and i'm lovely. sorry they didn't keep acting because they're very good at it i know they're very good at it it's so interesting i mean i'm proud of them that they went yes. they didn't get lured in by the glitz and possibly went to college and said well, to do something it else. means they had good parents who didn't pressure them because that's another thing to remember when you're hiring a child actor you are also bringing their parents into the equation and right set. and that energy has to be good and low pressure and in the best interest of the child and, yeah. and so you know i've always had pretty positive experiences there but we've all heard stories of stage parents and luckily i think you know bringing all that to light has meant there's there's less of it <laughs> So excited for you to hear this interview with Rutina Wesley. Get ready for me to just cry and laugh more than you've (laughs) ever heard. So here it is, the beautiful, incomparable, talented, shining, fluid Rutina Wesley. This is a special one, folks. Tina. <laughs> I can't even stand it. Well, the only so thing that would make this better is if we could be in person. I would just love to I give know. you a hug so much. <laughs> I I am I'm hugging you from Louisiana. I love oh. you too so so oh, so so too. much. Oh my god. We've been really looking forward to talking with you. I was I've been watching it back and I'm all caught up uh, oh, yeah. as far as I think I've I'm caught up to the third season. Oh my and gosh. Yeah, I cry I like I cried. Yeah. I I also was just like look at how young and beautiful we were. Oh my um, god. No. Hello. Like like the skin now. was like on point. <laughs> Um, yep. and, and you two, like, were especially making me laugh and, and just like, I just loved all of the like crazy choices we made as actors yeah. and like, yeah. and we weren't afraid, like we could yeah. make crazy choices. It's like, right. I think of true blood and I think of theater yeah. and I think like, I think I remember Alan Ball, like saying to me at one point, he was like, Hey, He's like, you know, I hired you for this reason. Go big, <laughs> like go, <laughs> right, right. go there. And right. so we got to really be grand and yeah. um, make it make sense. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. he said something oh, lovely so about you that I agree <gasps> with to a T. He said the the reason why Rutina was perfect for Tara is that not only did she get the 
ferocity, but the vulnerability as well. Mm -hmm. That like both of those were present all the time. And he was like, that's how I knew Rutina was perfect. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I don't make me cry. No, it's good enough because because I think about how I got the part. We could talk. I mean, yeah. do we want to talk about? Yeah, it? let's yeah, jump right yeah, in. Tell, tell us. us how you got the part. So some people know this because it's been out there, but like I auditioned for Tara the very first time around. So I auditioned for the pilot, mm-hmm. and it was between me and the lovely actress who got it. Right, and oh, so I, I left going okay. That's not for me. It's cool. I stopped thinking about it. Wasn't even on my radar anymore. And then I get this call six months, like six months later. And they're like, so they're going to audition for Tara again. And they like you to come in. I was like, no, (gasps) I've done that. I'm not going back. It's not for me. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. You know, like fear in my body. And I went back and I will never forget. It was me between me and five other girls. And one of those women was um, actresses was Journey Smullett. Sure. Um, She came came in for she came in for Tara. And I remember when she walked in the door, I was like, well, that's it. There there goes my role. Like uh, Journey is here. Like clearly like, yes, like clearly I'm not going to get this. And I go in there. I kind of do the same thing that I did before. Like I didn't really change my choices and stuff. Like I went in there, did it, yeah. came back out <laughs> and Libby Goldstein, bless her. She comes out and she goes, okay, ladies, thank you so much. And then she comes over to me and goes, Radina, we want you to stay. <gasps> and I was like, I was like, they can hear you, but okay. Um, okay. Okay. So, Okay. So everyone leaves Uh, and uh, I'm still there and I'll never forget. Alan comes out and he goes, just, just be more vulnerable. Just, just think about that. And Mm. I said, okay, got it. And I went in there and I did that scene on the porch with me and Sam with the whiskeys and I just kind of let it all hang out. And it wasn't until like, the second or third season that Alan actually said to me, he was like, um, God, I'm not going to cry. He goes, you were always my first choice. Oh. I loved you from the beginning. And, you know, now I have you, you're here, but I want you to know you were always my, my, my first choice. And I was like, uh. wow. Like, you know, it was like, it, it, you don't expect that at 26, right out of school, mm. you know, right. and it, it was insane. You know, I, I got the part and it's a wow. testament to that, like, you really never know how stuff is going to go. Because mm. sometimes they may not call you back for a role, but you might still get it. Right. <laughs> like, you just you just never really know. I assumed that your audition scene would have only been the first scene we see you in where you're in that shopping in the wa- Walmart, the shopping the Walmart mm-hmm. type. Yeah. Yeah. And you let that woman have it. And, and Alan said that about your vulnerability. And I thought, how did she get to show it? But you, that scene with you and Sam on the porch. I mean, we so highlighted nice. it in the first season we of the podcast. It. Fuck, so that's do I so love that scene? Right, Deb? That's interesting. That was the scene. It was so beautiful. I, I, beautiful. I remember when I first auditioned, I, I'll just put this in there, but I did come in like with props. Like I was not okay. playing around. Like I love when it. I first auditioned <laughs> in New York, it, now now it was in New York and it was on a tape, but Alan was there. Oh, and I came in with my rag on my shoulder. I had an apron. Yeah. I, I was not I was like, listen, I was like, this is my part. And right. then the second time around when I had to re-audition, I remember, and this is kind of key, Alan Ball sat about eight feet away from me, seven to eight feet away from me. And everybody else was like behind him. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was doing the, you know, the super saber, saber bunch scene. Right. Yeah. He was pointing at me and laughing hysterically, pointing, oh. pointing, pointing, like, Hey, this Get is it, what I'm people. talking about. Yeah. And like, st- I was like, I was like, could you not do that? Like, I can see you. I can see you, Alan. Could you please stop? pointing at me but he was like really trying to get these people to like hey this is our girl you know like but 
as a as an actor and as an auditioner, like when you get things like that, like sometimes you don't know how to handle it because yeah. I'm like, well, is he laughing like at me or like is he? <laughs> right. And like he was really cracking up to the point where it was like, if you're not laughing, I need you to get out of this room because this right. girl is funny. <laughs> right. right. And she and, and you know. It was like all of those things. And I like, man, I, I loved it. I think honestly, that's been one of my, that was one of my like best auditions I've ever had in my life. Uh, Like it was like, because I got to go back to it. Right. Uh, And I got to kind of revisit the character a little bit. And, and because I knew the material so well already, that second time was just like butter. I just was able to do it so naturally because I already kind of had it in my, my system. And you yes. don't always get that second chance, you know? Yes. Oh, rarely do you. Yeah. But it's yeah. amazing how many people we've spoken to are like, this was an incredibly memorable audition. Because like, there are things I've booked that I don't remember the audition for. Right. But somehow we all are like, something about the audition for True Blood. Yeah. Maybe because of Alan, because of the energy in that yeah. room. Yeah. We were given some kind of permission. Yeah. That, made all of us feel so present in that moment. Yeah, Deb went for it too. Yeah, and, I right. Nice. I bet you did. She went for it. I ate my tears. It was it was crazy. It was really incredible. You know, Routine, I guess we could ask you about because you do have this unbelievably impressive education. First of all, you're from performing parents. Mm-hmm. Then you go to a billion different incredible academies and get a degree, including Juilliard and the yes. Royal Academy. You are you are clearly the most impressive and intimidating person at that table, Reed. Yeah. Just based on the credentials. Yeah. No. And then yeah. it, right? And and now San said in the in the commentary, she is the hardest working actress. Her scripts are full most of notes. prepared. Yeah. So you know what? Us- Oh, how, yeah, about that, that my yeah, process, yeah. Process Please, we, we like the, theater the and behind the informed. scenes, how do you do it stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, my process has, it's definitely changed over the mm. years, but, but during True Blood, I mean, I read that and I was like, Nelson is hilarious, he's funny, but <laughs> he's absolutely right. Like I literally, I mark all my beats, I make notes, I used to mark what people say about me, how they feel about me, all of that stuff in one script. I did it mm-hmm. every, every script, mm-hmm. almost to the point where you could kind of call me a heady actor. I get in my head a lot. So, you know, now I think about myself and I'm like, oh, I've pulled back on that a little bit. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have as many notes. I have them here, but I right. don't get so frenetic about analyzing the script. Mm-hmm. I'm more trying to be present and in the moment but back in true blood days i would like write everything down in a feverish way and like make all these notes and then i would get to get to set and sometimes it would really be about just playing with your scene partner and all those notes would go out the window so now i've kind of i'm kind of at that halfway point in my career where it's like a little bit of analysis and a lot Mm -hmm. of play Mm-hmm. Okay, and being able to sort of balance out the two things, um, but no, so I would make fun of me all the time because <laughs> if he needed to see my script, he was just like, "What is all of this?" And I was like, "I was like, Shh. it's like it's my notes, like I gotta take notes." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Um, yeah, he was so funny, and you know, interestingly enough, he may have been the one person that really kept me on my toes because we went to school together, right? Yeah. So I like knew him. And when I got to set that first week where they reshot all the scenes in the pilot and it was just my stuff, just me for a week. The Retina week. Yes. The Retina week. (laughs) Wow. And and this is when he coined the phrase hooker. Wow. (laughs) He came into Merlots and that scene started and he called me hooker. And we did the scene, and afterwards I was like, that's not in the script, Nelson. That's, could you not do that? That's not in the script. Like, you're going to get me fired. Like, what are you doing? He was like, he was like, what you saying now, Routini? Oh, you hooker. I'm going to keep doing it. I was like, keeping you on your toes. And I'm like, you are keeping me on my toes, but wait, what, Nelson, what is my cue? You keep making it up. What is my cue? Like, what are you going to say? And Alan Ball said he was the only person that he would yeah. let improv. Yeah. Because he yeah. said, I can't write that. I yeah. can't write what he says. Yeah. So he was like, he was fantastic. And I will never forget that because I was so nervous. Right. But seeing him and being like, oh, 
someone who knows me. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I'm not crazy. Someone who I can like ask things and like, yeah. it was nice to have him there yeah. because, yeah. because Anna made me nervous. I was really nervous with her. Yeah. I, I, I thought she was like, I didn't know if she liked me or not. Yeah. I, I was really, yeah. but he kept me like, he kept me feeling safe, but mm-hmm. also, like I said, like on my toes because he would mess with me in a way to get performances out of me mm. that I didn't know I could have. And mm. only oh. Nelson can do that. Yeah. You know what yes. I mean? He was like, he's like, I'm going to just start calling a hooker and see what happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, that's yes. that's kind of how it was. So it was fantastic. He was, he was magnificent. Yeah. He's become an icon, I yeah. think. You know, that's my guy. Like, I, I love him yeah. so much. I miss him. He plays that, that character so fluidly and he's yeah. so detailed. It was just so comforting to, to be on a huge show like this, but to have someone close to you. Yes. You know, and I could depend on him yeah. to be yes. like, hey, you're doing too much, or, you know, hey, you know, right. watch this or watch that. And I could yeah. trust that trust. Yeah. As, as an actor. And he. He helped me bloom. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. What an incredible arc to go from like you auditioned. Cool. I'm letting it go. We want you back. Well, maybe I don't want to come back. All right. I'll come right. back. And then you get it. And then it's the routine a week, right? Because they got to reshoot right. everything. That's a lot of pressure. It is. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And everyone else is kind of met and found their energy a little bit. Right. So I imagine that's sort of hard to find your space. You know? Yeah. And just your isolated scenes intensely, yeah. you know, not like a normal rollout. So and that's so not incredible. And the words you use for Nelson in the show, I'm writing down all your words yeah. and they are oh, no. so good. Well, fluid mm-hmm. and detailed. Uh, I agree. That's that is that is a very apt way of describing how Nelson feels when you watch his yeah, work. Magnificent, yeah. shining, yeah. fluid. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's you too, Rutina. It is. <gasps> oh, don't that's do that. That's you too. <laughs> I mean, it is. It really is. And especially with the the challenging material <gasps> that was written for Tara. I mean, throughout all of the seasons. But, you know, I mean, yeah. we're talking about specifically one and two right now. But, oh, my gosh. Oh, my Sometimes gosh. I'll watch a scene after and just be like, how do you even start okay. <laughs> right. to go in that direction, you know, with this? And then choices that... You know, it started in one place and I'm like, how did she think to take it there? And it must yeah. be in all of that scribble on the page. It, it wasn't. It wasn't it was. all the scribble. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's you, just really remarkable. Right. I mean, we we talk about so much. I mean, I really you and Anna, your two characters, Suki and Tara, may have had the most difficult and Nelson. But truly agonize. I mean, the writers really tortured your characters for seven yeah. years. You, you three were tortured. I mean, I, I get exhausted watching it. So I'm glad that my character <laughs> stood there and just said a couple of cool lines, you know. But <laughs> I mean, even in just these two seasons, you have a really difficult relationship with your mother, which we mm. want to ask you about, you know, that working relationship with Adina, who we interviewed, she just, everyone adores you that just worked gushed. with you. Mishka, yeah. you know, Misha. Oh, she was like, Oh my God, I love that girl. Yeah. And that, you know, so tough because that's the family arc, right? You mm-hmm. know, this child of an alcoholic, brutal, brutal deep wounds with your mother and then Marianne all through season two plays on that even plays on Gran being Gran in Sookie's house and manipulates you into thinking you have family again Mm -hmm. wow Mm -hmm. Rutina so how did you feel about mounting that enormous horse (laughs) they're balancing intimidation with the challenge and opportunity yeah yeah, I mean, well, I had Adina Porter as my mother, so it wasn't hard wow. because she gave me every last strain of drop of everything that she has. Wow. That woman acts with her entire soul. Mm, yeah. And so all I needed yeah. to do was to look her in the eye um, and like I was in. And speaking of, you know, if you think of episode 211 with 
the whole frenzy of all the yeah. eyes and Tara sort of being in a trance and then not in a trance. Yeah. Like having Adina and Nelson there for that for me was like the best mm. because wow. again, two people I feel really safe with. I mean, yeah. me and Adina yeah. had a connection from day one yeah. and I looked up to her as an actress who had been doing it for some time. Yes. And she poured into me. Right. As an, as a young actor and yes. gave me great advice. She supported me. And I remember, you know, that second season like was really challenging because of all of the Marianne storyline. It was so tough to do. Yes. Um, and I remember just being like, well, it has to be real to you. Mm, right. Your eyes are black. You're praying to this crazy God. Lolololobromios. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, that part was really hard. I was like, what am I saying? I was like, what is that? Lolololobromios. Lolololintrias. I was like, oh my God. Like ancient Greek isn't in your special skills. No, it's not. It's not. So I was like, what is this? You don't speak any dead languages. Oh, you know, and and it was like, what would you do if you know three of the people that you love the most? you feel like they betrayed you. Right. Like really you have, Tara feels really betrayed in her spell. Yes. And so I think that allows for the nasty sort of raw mm. response that yes. you get from Tara when she goes from like, I want to fucking kill you to, oh my God, mama, I'm sorry. And all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, it's that like, one you know, scene, the turns yeah. you make in that one scene, because that's really hard as an actor. You know, it's easier if you start a scene crying. Right. So this is like, mm-hmm. yeah, you go from, I'm going to kill you to sobbing to someone yeah. reads your mind, then you're reborn. <laughs> I mean, it's the yeah. crazy, it's, it's like it's, the Olympics for actors. It, it was, I got to show, you know, I really got to show a good range, I think, of yes. the things that I could do, yes. you know? And I also think, though, there were other times, you know, in the seasons where I feel like they didn't quite know what to do with Tara. Right. So I felt like I was kind of like hanging back, like, oh, you know, but but yeah. that was a season where I really felt like I was really working my muscles as an you actor. Are. And again, I had Anna and Steven and Nelson there and Adina were yeah. all there to like support me in my craziness because yeah. I was like, I'm about to go there and I hope you guys are okay with it, but I'm about to go. I'm about to go there. You know? And I remember one time Anna was like, okay, like, woo, that was, woo, you went, you went there. I was like, yeah, yeah. I don't like you. 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 So we're going to, this is what I'm going to do, you know? It was special because I do feel like they let they let the crazy in. They were yes. like, we're here for it. Mm-hmm. We are here for the crazy. Yeah. You know, I think about, oh, God, the orgies. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I was like, I remember reading that script. Everyone was like, yeah. all right. So, um, oh. oh, oh, so we're taking off. Oh, OK. Oh, no. Clothes are still on. But we're going to in the woods at. OK. Uh, we're gonna do this, and 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 it was Michael Ruscio. I think that was okay. his episode. I remember him being at like two o'clock in the morning. He's like, "All right, guys, just so you know, we're all out here together. Okay, we're doing this together. <laughs> oh, so, so let's 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 get this done. Like it's negative nineteen degrees, it's freezing, <laughs> literally freezing, it's freezing. Yes, and we're gonna get this orgy done. And I remember oh. being like looking up to the sky, like God, what am I? What what am I doing? Is this okay? I hope this is okay because oh. I feel like I'm about to like go someplace that I'm not supposed to go, but I'm gonna do it. And we like got it done. And when you watch it back, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I got to do all of that stuff, playing, you know, with 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 Tara, yeah. and I felt sort of. I felt like Tara was very close to me, especially when it came to like how she was raised and her family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I felt close to some some of that storyline, mm-hmm. but I do feel like acting can be, you know, we heal with our art yeah. as being being storytellers. And I found that some things for me and my family I've healed from by playing Tara. Wow. It gave me the impetus to sort of speak to my family and speak my truth and speak to my parents and not be afraid. Uh, I felt like Tara was like a superhero, man. Like, I felt like I could do anything sometimes with her. She really was. The beauty of this show, we had supernatural people who, I guess, had real superpowers. But the humans, because Tara, you know, didn't read minds. But like, she's had superpowers. 
Like she really yeah. did in in the way that spectacular human beings do, you know. So I really mm-hmm. appreciated that that the it, the humans felt very powerful to me on the series, especially watching it back now. I remember Alan saying one time like she was maybe he thought of her as the voice of reason mm-hmm. on the show and the sort of you know, if one person is telling the truth, it's Tara. And and when I look yeah. back and I was watching it back, I was like, yeah, when you listen to what comes out of her mouth sometimes, it, it's truth. Like, yeah. she's really it trying is. to be truthful with everything, you know? And when I think that sometimes that meant the writers had to work extra hard to fool Tara, because this is the whole thing with Marianne season two. Marianne has to find ways to manipulate Tara, but Tara has been written so smart and so skeptical Mm -hmm. and so, you know, you know, ready to see where, you know, Mm -hmm. to see truth that they, I mean, they work so hard to find the cracks in Tara Thornton so that we really believe that Marianne could do it. And I'm I'm consistently impressed with the writing and your performance of it, because at no point do I go, "Eh, Tara would see past that. They really, the team of them and you (laughs) sell Sell yeah. me on the idea that Marianne could get into Tara's head that way. Yeah. 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 I was just about to say that, Deborah. Yeah. Like Marianne gets into her head, yeah. her soul mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Gets into her soul. And, um, and, and places of Tara's soul that Tara doesn't want to deal with mm-hmm. or yeah. talk about. And so that's where she like Marianne hooks in because then she gives Tara a Tara that fear mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. and so then Tara is moving fear based because she's Marianne is in that really dark place yes. that Tara doesn't want to talk about yes mm-hmm. and so we we you know she because even for instance when she comes out of the spell Tara is still like where's eggs yeah. like I gotta go and she mm-hmm. wants to go immediately to save him yeah. and it's like you don't really you don't see Tara sort of come out of it because Tara is still in a way, when she comes out of it, she's still not in reality. Mm, right. She's still kind of swept up in what she thinks is love yeah. and acceptance mm-hmm. and what she thinks is family. Oh, God, it's right. so heartbreaking because yeah. we want it yeah, so it is. badly for Tara. <laughs> Everything Marianne says, I'm like, God damn it. Why can't she be real? You know, like, yeah. it's know. so... She, we, we just talked about this line where she says, you know why I'm good to you? Because it makes you bloom. And like, we're all weeping. You deserve it's it. all we and want. it makes you bloom like a flower. And I'm like, I would crumble if someone said that to crumble, me today you know? in my and living we, room. Yeah. We yeah. want Tara to be supported and believed in and lifted up in all of those ways. And it's just so heartbreaking <laughs> that she's it is an, a main ad. <laughs> It, right. And, you yeah. know, and, and Mishka, Mishka was like one of my favorites Ugh. because I just she again, she's somebody like she really is going to show up and she's going to give you everything. Yeah. Like she's not going to give you half. Right. She's going to give you everything. Yeah. And I remember sometimes that like Mishka would look at me and she would go, look at you with those doe eyes. She always called me doe eyes. Aww. And that would always make me. um get a little emotional because I don't know she was just really supportive she really was just like made me feel great man and and I I felt like I could fly with her you know and um I can't believe I'm getting so emotional (laughs) but um that's because I miss all of you um but but um she just really made me feel like I could fly Mm. and that I I was capable of anything and coming from a woman who's like been around in this business and done so many things as a young woman for me it was like she sees me Mm. right Mm. and she she likes she Mishka sees me she sees Rutina she does and 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 I kind of like I was messing with that because I was like I was like okay I, I not many people see me right away right. but I felt like right away when Mushka met me she was like ah I see you. yeah like you're this yeah. and look at you in them doe yeah. eyes oh and you're just so all of this stuff and I was just like <gasps> I was looking around like how do you see that I'm not giving that to you right. but I was right, right but I was right. I thought I had this wall up. But it's not, I didn't with her. She saw right past the wall, came right in my face uh-huh. and saw me in my eyes. And and so like, I uh-huh. love Mishka and I could do a million plays with uh-huh. her. I could do a million things with her. Yeah. She is just, she's just very um, unique and, and special. And I want to talk about for one second, she was like a great 
leader on set. Mm. Like I remember she didn't take no BS. Mm. Like she didn't take no stuff. She was really serious about people being professional and that went for jokes Mm. that were not professional or unpleasant jokes. She really kind of put her foot down and was like, we're not going to do that. Not on my time. Interesting. And remember we had the $5 jar or the jar. Yes. Remember the jar? Yes. Like you had to put money in the jar if you made a really nasty joke oh, or something. I didn't yeah, know you had about to. That. I forgot. Yeah, it was. Or or was it cussing or the cussing and the joke? I, mean, I think we it cussed was just all the, the time. Joke. It couldn't have been that. <laughs> We'd have made millions. I know. Couldn't have been a cussing. <laughs> couldn't have been a cussing. <laughs> that jar would have been so. Huge. Yeah, we could have budgeted an eighth season all on our own <laughs> if it was cussing. Yeah. So another question is that one where. When you think of your experience on True Blood, I wrote down so many great words you said, <laughs> but do you have three words that come to mind? Yeah. Magical chaos laughter. Oh. <laughs> Perfection. Because listen, some of those scenes, girls, that we've done, you know, we were on our asses laughing more than we were shooting we were. most of the time because it was like, oh it was goodness. so, it was so funny. And I remember, you know, even with like the black eyes and stuff, like that orgy night, like that <laughs> night, like everybody, Mishka, yeah. me, and everybody was like, What? <laughs> is happening like everybody was <laughs> you know it was so funny so i just yeah i just laughter is when i think about true blood i think about laughter me too i think about the chaos yeah. and then i think that the fact that we were magical yeah. like what we did was magic yeah. we couldn't believe we were doing what we were doing yeah. i mean you, you know it was again like i know i'm sure you guys got your script sometimes and we're like okay <laughs> You know, like what? But we did it. We did it. And it aired. Yeah. Yeah. And and the one thing I love is that no one on our show, even guest stars, like everybody was in on it. Like everybody was ready to get in there and and get in the mud. It was it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. (laughs) It was wonderful and almost indescribable because you described it so well. Yeah. Well, you are wonderful, Regina. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting with us yeah. and sharing all of your stories. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone listening at home, gosh, you just got a real treat because this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I laughed. <laughs> I cried. This was magical chaos and laughter. <laughs> this was. This interview was. Yes, it was. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Deb, Deb, Deb. I just adore her. I I mean, this is no offense meant to anyone else that we've spoken to for this season, but that (sighs) interview hit me in so many different ways. I know. It was funny. It was heartfelt. I I don't cry quite as easily as you do, but I cried at least three or four times this one. I mean, I'm dehydrated. I cried so much. I know. I mean, she's magic. She's magic. And... Gosh, I, I wish I had gotten a chance to work with her more on the show. You know, I was one I of the so we definitely lucky. had a few a few scenes, but I, I didn't get to really go deep with her. You I know, know I got to go deep with you her. You got to go deep, Kristen. I did, amazing. I did. Oh, I just I love her. I miss her. Yeah. For, for some reason, she like really in this interview, she was there the whole seven years. She was yeah. like right at the center of every year's storyline. Like yeah. talking to her really took me back to yeah. True Blood. It really did. Yeah. Next week on Truest Blood, we tackle the finale episode of season two. And boy, oh boy, is it big. <laughs> Everyone has showed up for Marianne's big day, except the groom. So we'll find out if he finally comes. It's such a big episode. (laughs) It's so amazing. We have a queen of the screen with us next week. Hell yeah. Tune in for Michelle Forbes. I'm going to cry. She plays Maynard Marianne to perfection with 73 credits to her name. We can only give you a taste of her illustrious career. She has two Emmy nominations under her belt and with more on the way, I am sure. Yes, well, she's recently appeared on Big Sky and New Amsterdam and next week on Truest Blood. 
Yeah. So thanks for listening, Trubies. Subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you next week. Y'all come back now, you hear. Got any burning questions you want answered on Truest Blood? Post them on any and all social media platforms using hashtag FangClubQuestions, and we may feature them on the show. That's hashtag F-A-N-G-C-L-U-B-Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S. Truest Blood is produced by Safe Haven for HBO Max. Executive producers are Janina Kavankar, Kristen Bauer, and Deborah Ann Wool. Our producer is Gabrielle Galan, and our audio producer is Christopher Wool. Our theme song was recorded just for this podcast by Jace Everett. Additional music was composed by Timo Chen. And remember, you can watch all of the original episodes of True Blood on HBO Max. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.